Welcome back, listeners, to the Speaking Generally podcast. I am Stephen Hussey, and with me is my little mate, George Taylor. How are you doing, George? I'm doing really well. Good, good. He's, uh, you can't see this, listeners, but George uh, has got a little blanket wrapped around him, like a little tea cosy. Uh, looks like an old shawl. Uh, he's uh, cozying up in Oxford, and I'm here in Los Angeles. Um, and today, George, we're going to talk about quitting. <laughs> giving it all up <laughs> we're right this is the last one is it <laughs> yeah this is the announcement folks we are packing it in um <laughs> well the no we're not packing it in not just yet um we're carrying on but uh i wanted to talk about this subject because it's something i've brought up a few times and haven't quite got my thoughts laid out on it george but maybe in this podcast you can help me uh i think in our culture we are often told that quitting is a sign of failure or mm-hmm. some, some idea that we have given up and there's a great virtue uh, placed on perseverance and pushing through. And what I want to wrestle with in this podcast is whether quitting is underrated. And just to, you know, give credit where credit is due, uh, I listened to a free economics podcast some years ago on this topic about whether quitting is undervalued and it's kind of been on my mind ever since thinking about the kind of things whether big and small the kind of macro and micro of what are the things where are there things that people carry on for too long are there things where they should give up sooner is there a kind of freedom in giving up and uh and yeah when should you do that what's the point to decide to cut your losses as it were and give up on a lost cause. Um, is that so, what brought this topic around, just thinking about that podcast, or has there been a specific example in your personal life or, you know, something you've been trying that you're thinking, I'd be better off letting that go? Well, I think there's times... I think I look at my life and I think there are things that I've persevered with that have led to great achievements and certainly have been very difficult and you've wanted to stop doing it, but you've pushed through thinking this will be worth the satisfaction of getting it in the end. But there's also things, there's also pursuits that I think are probably, probably people do too long. And what I think happens is you get, you substitute complacency for perseverance. So you, you mask your complacency of stopping doing something with, well, I should carry on now. There's a, you know, the famous sunk cost fallacy of I've put this much time and energy into this hobby or pursuit or career now. And, you know, you you see it as virtuous as like, by God, I'm going to stick to it and I'm going to carry on and push through. But there might be a kind of cowardice in that, I suppose, is the harshest way of putting it. The harshest framing is that not quitting could be a sign of fear and cowardice. Whereas, you might be, it might take time to dig yourself out, but you might be a lot happier sort of cutting off. Well, there's uh, definitely um, like, there's things we need to touch on, right? Like social anxiety or how you're saving face or how you're perceived externally about this, which I think is something we touched on a bit about ambition in the last episode we did. But there's also that example you give there, like the, the sort of sunk cost. I suppose I would see a distinction between things that are goal oriented and things that you just do to, you know, 
that you just do every week like oh I play for a football team I don't really enjoy it but it'll be embarrassing to tell them I want to leave so I'll just turn up and you know kind of dial it in every week quitting something like that I think is very different to I'm doing a PhD it's going to take four years it's really difficult I need to power through right there's you're kind of more accountable to your I don't know. There's an accountability thing, an external thing there, but I think there's some different categories of quitting that we should probably flag up. What you mean? Um... Well, quit, quitting something, you know, oh, I want, uh, I'm going to build a house and I've built three of the rooms and I don't have any money at the moment. So I'll just give up, you know, that's very different to uh, I'm part of just a non goal oriented group where we, we do something every week, you know, uh, I go to a singing club, but I don't really like it, but right. you're not recording an album at the end of it. There's, there's a difference I think between quitting something where you just, it's just something you do and actually your time would be better spent. Oh, I'd rather work on my books than do this, you know, versus I've committed to seeing a project through. I think that's having an end goal. I think definitely shapes how people perceive how their quitting will be perceived if you see what's right so yeah i mean you mean yeah so some things have more of a i I suppose there's a cost to your your confidence and perceived competency of you know you you've emotionally invested a lot in and you're perceived by everyone else to have you know you've put a lot into this and then if you quit there might just be social stigma or judgment that you've um you've given up and I, and I think that that definitely is we can talk about the micro level because I think that's interesting as well with something you used to enjoy but don't anymore but yeah that's that's the interesting part uh I, I want to explore is the stigma around not doing something that you said you were going to do or that you got yourself into and I think I think we are you know we're all definitely creatures of you know, we're very mindful of external approval of our choices. And yeah, it does make me think, you know, um, you know, like a, we talked a lot about doing PhD and like, you know, uh, struggling with that. And I've known people who, you know, there's famously people who have quit in the middle of PhDs, right? Yeah. And there's a, I knew when I was doing mine, there was, I knew that, at some point I had a feeling like I don't think I'm going to be an academic, but I did push through with the PhD and there was a sense of great pride and satisfaction of finishing what I started. But, but when I look at that, there was still a utilitarian calculation of thinking finishing this will look better. If I, if I quit this on the, on my CV in terms of like trying to explain that later on, it will not look good if yeah. I got three years into a PhD and left. There's a lot of unaccounted for time. But you might have said, well, maybe there's a point. If you decide you're not going to be an academic, you don't need to do that anymore. But, yeah, so maybe that's not a great example because that one, there was a tangible benefit in the follow-through. But there might be some people who, you know, I guess on a big grand scale, right, people like Elon Musk quit in the middle of PhDs because they decided to do certain entrepreneurial ventures or certain people have other other opportunities come to fruition and it proves to be very expedient to drop out say of a prestigious college to pursue something else yeah well that's quitting isn't it because it's just it's like apportioning your time more of it's like benefit cost analysis of 
if I jump on board with this PayPal thing, I can see it going somewhere, right? You could probably go back and finish. There's something with the quitting as well, like with quitting a PhD. If you could get on the program in the first place, you could probably get back onto it later. You could, you know, walk back that quit if you've got a better opportunity to pursue in the short term. And I would assume in a field like, I guess, computer science or some, something like that, there's there's always a skill set that you have that's going to be a, applicable in multiple industries so it's maybe not that big a risk if you think about it that way um, yeah but i think there is um you know it th- those ones have this kind of hindsight you're vindicated by the fact that what you did becomes successful yeah. and the quitting then seems like an obvious choice but you know there's things that i've quit before that you know even all right say i i did quit the path of becoming an academic right and mm-hmm. there's I've noticed before if I've said to people, people have said, oh, did you want to, do you want to be an academic or did you want to be an academic? And I say, yes, at one point. And then I quit academia because I didn't think it was for me anymore. Um, I thought that, you know, it looked like there were very few jobs. It was extremely competitive. I didn't really think it would be overly rewarding for like decades worth of work to publish in small journals or whatever. And I thought this, this isn't worth the return on investment, but it's like people hear, people tend to hear like, oh, you quit that path. There must be something either sad about it or you gave up or something like that. But you're like, well, I, I strategically gave up because I thought I, I should cut loose this, this thing that I thought was leading to a dead end or a path I didn't want. But I noticed that people do, there is always like this implicit judgment of there's like, yeah, you you gave up something, but I think so. Really, then your your thesis for this podcast is more: is there always like a pejorative connotation to quitting? Like, do you think we can reframe society or how people see things to go? Oh, amazing! So good, you quit. Well, yeah, I think there's there's definitely it's underrated. I think it's still underrated. But I think people, you're quite. I don't know if you use your personal example, you're quite established in your career now. You've had lots of sort of career success and like public success with the work you do since quitting your PhD so well, not quitting your PhD sorry quitting the academic pathway so many people could say like oh well you know wasn't it wasn't it lucky you packed in academia because now you're a New York Times bestseller that I, I think maybe the world you work in isn't public enough for that to come across right but if you if you had three number one albums or something people would go oh, wasn't it good you dropped that so you could do this I think it's the hindsight thing helps people reframe that for sure. Yeah, it does, but it's a, it's almost, it shouldn't need that in some ways is my point, I guess. In I think when someone quits something they don't enjoy anymore, that's progress. And I think progress is very messy thing, right? It's, it's not often a linear path. You often have to go down a few cul-de-sacs or even just a few, some avenues are there to be explored and mined for a while, and they actually turn out not to be this thing you want to dedicate your life to or so much time to. Some things you think, I've done this for five years now, but you know, there's investment bankers, right? And it might have served them for five years to do it, but maybe doing it for 30 years is going to like crush their soul and they hate yeah. it, bored. And it may, you may say they, they would, they've, they've given up. By not giving up, they have sacrificed a hell of a lot of potential fulfillment and happiness. And, um, you know, I get that quitting sometimes comes with these other costs where 
you know, quitting might mean uh, not having a stable income and that sort of thing. But I think if you take that out and just the act of giving up and starting again on something new, just that act can often be the most refreshing, reinvigorating sort of rejuvenating experience. And, and the, the feeling of freedom you get when you give up on something that's become a burden to you is really good, really great. Like I remember when I finally decided, like hard decided, I'm not going to split between these two paths anymore. I don't want to be an academic. It was, it was a real relief moment. It was like a weight came off my shoulders and I, I was not carrying around this idea that maybe this is what I have to do now. And then yeah. it was like, just, just letting it go. And, uh, you know, there's like relationships, right? We talk about relationships a lot on this, but like relationships, finally letting go of something that you thought I, I've been in this, I've been with this person since I was 16 and now I'm like 30 and, you know, finally maybe letting go and saying I should, could, might be able to be happier with someone else. Like there's a, there's a huge weight off and a relief to that that I've seen people have. Like I've seen people go through that scenario and meet someone they're more fulfilled with. And it's the hardest bit, right? The quitting, they're like, oh God, you've been with this person though so long. You've done all this. Are you sure you want to do this? It's the scariest moment. But I feel like at that bit, some people need more encouragement to quit as it were and let go of an old life. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, exa- the earlier example about the career like where you say well take those things away like uh income often that's not viable right for some people it's that becomes maybe a bit too hypothetical and uh, this isn't a, a comment on you per se but like with choosing not to pursue the academic pathway is is quitting a kind of um is quitting a future that you've not had yet do you know what i mean so it's like mm-hmm. it's still a quite a formative stage i think I think that that's a really smart and efficient use of quitting because you're not getting yourself in a position where you've gone, Oh God, five years down the line, I've, you know, not made anything of this and it's not for me. It's being able to see it, see it almost in advance. I think that's the most efficient use of it. Um, But then the value of being able to wind things back after you've gone down that, that rabbit hole is, is the best thing you can do, right? If you're pursuing something that's not, not good and you realize it, but I think realizing something in advance and yeah, getting off the train before it leaves the station, almost that's potentially the best, the best way to use it. I'm not even sure if that is quitting as much as like, yeah, applying efficient foresight maybe. Well, I guess it's quitting, it's quitting the effort and energy you're putting into it. It's, it's giving up the, amount of mental space that's taking up um you know i've you know even you could have you could have an artistic pursuit that you're doing if you're a musician for example or maybe you're an aspiring musician in your you know in your side your side gig so to speak is it being an aspiring musician but at some point you may say you know what i like playing guitar but this band thing is really becoming a burden now and it's time I sort of like, you know, let go of trying to be, you know, thinking I'm going to be a famous musician or whatever and just play for fun. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a mix of like 
sadness and resignation in that for some people, but there also might just be this thing where you think I was carrying around a burden that maybe I was not meant to be that person, but I can just play for fun now and enjoy myself um, and not take it, you know, take it so seriously in that way. Um, Yeah, I don't know, but I guess, I guess there is, always seem to be some kind of tragedy in giving up something you've invested in. And I think it's just that it is a lot of the sunk cost fallacy where there is a sense of when we've invested in anything, it's harder to... I don't know if that's completely true, I think. I think if if we're talking about how people external, you know, it's the external or what, either what will people think, you know, that kind of attitude. But if we've probably all experienced that thing. If you see someone like one of your friends in a relationship with someone that you know is not right for them, everyone else can see it. And when they go, you know, Oh, I've been in oh, after three years, I realized he's not right for me and they'd leave. You don't go, Oh, what a waste of time. You know, you kind of go, Oh, I'm glad they've realized that. And they've probably made the right decision. So I think that, that, um, that external attitude of what a tragedy or what a loss is. No, I don't. No, but I, what I'm saying is that's applicable when it's a scenario where there is also a perception that that pursuit is good. It mm. might not be right for that person, right? You know, like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. Well, if you don't know anything about medicine, you know, being a doctor is great, but you're never going to be good at it. So it's not in of itself a great outcome. So you'd be better off not doing that and putting yourself somewhere else. So I think there is there is that external acceptance of quitting if if people are all on the same page that, right, well, actually you should pick a more appropriate pursuit or direction or person. Right. So yeah, there's, there's quitting in the name of, of make taking a step forward. And yeah, it's not, it's not when you quit, there's, you've wasted time on things. I, I guess it's when you quit is a big question. You know, there's things that you probably, there's always an optimum time to give up. Right. But it take, it can take a while to see, when that is so hobbies for example mm-hmm. are there hobbies that you have done for too long that you think you outstayed how long they were giving you pleasure for how long they were worthwhile running a marathon you did run a marathon though. <laughs> no I'm, I'm i'm being a bit <laughs> flippant there you, but you probably quit running at the optimum point you you worked up did the marathon and then you were like i'm good now no i'd have been happier if i quit well before <laughs> horrible horrible thing to have done and actually it's funny because i've started like when you mentioned this is the topic i've started running again as of yesterday right like first time i've been for a run i think since october dreadful dreadful state of affairs same again this morning i'm really aching and what i'm interested in is by the time we do the next podcast will i have quit that or not i don't know because i'm already talking in my head i'm like negatively saying oh you know maybe you could just do a few press-ups tomorrow you don't have to go for a run it's cold do your work and i've started that the interior (laughs) monologue of bringing myself to quit so maybe this will keep me accountable um yeah well that's interesting talking about habits that we quit or take on i think i mean would you say running is running a hobby you have now not not for me no it's a means to an end the end is not being as tubby as i am at the moment what if you just quit certain foods 
well, this is this is part two of the point I was going to raise, Steve, because I've taken it all on at once. I've, I'm cutting everything from the the PCP to the lattes, if <laughs> to quote a British television sitcom, um, going straight edge. But wait, the other you, f- this is the first I've heard of this. Are you actually are you actually cutting out certain foods? No, I'm just I'm just trying to slim down over the next maybe the next month. What I was thinking about actually was everyone does dry January. Um, I think I might do dry February just because I don't really have anything on in February, so it might be a bit easier. But by accident, I have <laughs> we were supposed to record this episode yesterday, and I had to tell Steve that I couldn't because I had a crippling headache. And after waking up this morning, I've realised that headache was the the headache that results from caffeine withdrawal. Um, because I've gone, I've gone now two days without tea or coffee after being a 10 cups of tea plus maybe two or three coffees a day man for the last sort of 10 years and have just come back from a kind of four-day trip where I was on maybe five or six espressos a day. Um, and, yeah, things got quite intense. Lots to do. Lots to do yeah, there. exactly. No, these were, all, these were all in the name of, um, you know, on a, in a coffee machine at home in the name of efficiency. It wasn't poodling around coffee shops um but i so i sort of said to myself for no reason other than oh what's it like i wonder what it will be like can i go maybe a week without caffeine i don't consider myself a caffeine hound or i need my coffee so i can start my day i just really like having a nice cup of tea um so it will be kind of going without something for a while i'm interested in if i can do that but since i've kind of for replacement therapy been using these just I can only describe as disgusting herbal teas. I can see myself quitting very quickly and getting back on the coffee wagon. Oof, herbal tea. I do not see you as a man who loves a herbal tea. I don't. I certainly don't. They're disgusting. Don't they have caffeine in as well? Green tea? Green tea does, but that's not a herbal tea. I'm talking about more like like chamomile or something that isn't, you know, a, a tea in everything but name or name. Can I ask you though, why lose, if, if, if drinking the caffeine every day stops the headaches, why not just drink tea and coffee every day like I do? I mean, it's a good point. This was more just because it's happened not by design. I've gone like two days without, and I think I've probably come through the withdrawal. I'm just interested to see what a week without would do. It's it's yeah. not going to be a lifestyle change. It's more just does it mean I crash less in the afternoon or something? Out Just out of interest. I know I'm not going to give it up because I really like drinking tea and I like drinking coffee for the taste and the kind of the process as much as anything else. But um, yeah, that's, that's something that I'm quitting right now. Uh, but when we speak in a week <laughs> may not have continued. I did. Uh, I had to do that for a month once when I, uh, when we lived in London, when we tried a tooth whitening, I tried a teeth whitening uh, mm. regime as it were being very LA and uh, yeah, they were like no tea, no coffee, no colorful foods. So um <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a tough month, but there there definitely was a hump, a sort of hump period, and then it sort of weirdly feels like you have all this free time where you don't go and drink coffee and tea, and you're sort of trying to figure out what to do. Well, so I think you and I are quite different. You like the process of going to a coffee shop, you know that like, kind of way. I, I mix it in with a walk. I mix it in with you know get a podcast on. Yeah, so I don't I don't do any of that. So for me, it's more just go to the kitchen, flip the kettle on make the cup of tea it's not i don't see that i'll have these massive time savings i'll just be going with <laughs> going without something i'd quite like but um yeah that that is something that i am kind of quitting um i'll uh, yeah. tell you something else i uh 
back in the day, George, I quit. Because um, I, I, I was thinking before this podcast, I think, what have I quit before? And, uh, you know, it's tricky because I'm actually quite a Aristotelian myself, George. I'm very much a man of moderation. I, I like to balance things. I'm not really a... Uh, I'm not really an extreme person, an all or nothing kind of guy, but uh, I did recently quit overeating, um, you know, as I lost 40 pounds last year. Um, so I did, I did quit stuffing myself. Over What's stuffing. about over Christmas? Uh, Chris, again, Aristotelian man, the balance came in at Christmas because I did eat rather plentifully, but okay. I've learned not to, so you mean on average over the year, you're well, a moderation. I've learned how not to destroy my body with too much food. So I've, I've learned how to, uh, you know, calm that down. Um, army, army at school. Those of you who don't know will, uh, <laughs> those of you who definitely don't know, at school, me and George went to a very English sort of old-fashioned public school and they had a kind of um, compulsory compulsory voluntary military service uh thing you do on a friday in the uk right so you could choose the army navy or raf the royal air force i'm not making this up or the community service uh unit and so a lot of us just did army automatically you know especially a lot of the boys chose army and i chose army thinking oh all my friends are i should do that and it was like this thing you do Fridays after school. It was like forced marching. You had to get all the outfit and they'd check if your boots were clean. Like this sounds ridiculous. Like it sounds like something out of 1940s. But yeah, it was in our school and you'd have people like shouting and shouting at you to like do marches and go and you go and do these like practical things as well, like learn how to put up a tent and stuff. Anyway, I eventually after a term was like I, I realized I shouldn't have even done it from the start because I didn't I wasn't into it and then I had to go to the extremely scary uh the head of the head of what was it head of army I guess he was known yeah, as Mr. White and, uh, Mr. White and I had to go and tell him I quit and he made it so unbearably painful not only administratively but he basically shouted at me and my friend Dominic who wanted to quit and was saying how you can't quit everything in life. You know, you're going to learn that one day. And it was one of the best pieces of quitting I ever did. Yeah. Like I, I quit. I did the voluntary service union, got to just do this like charity stuff, a bit of drama, a bit of like go and do some car washing first aid. And it was just like, you got to hang out in the warm with your friends and muck around basically. And I quit was, the term after you. So you great lines. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, it was just one of those things where I thought, why did he make that so It's difficult? like ringing the bell at the Navy SEALs training, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> I'm out. Dig, dig, dig. Yeah, I was done. Um, yeah, so I thought that was an interesting one. I quit. I quit piano quite early on, George. I didn't uh, even know you started piano. That was something I did as a kid. Just taken to lessons as a kid. And I think they realized we weren't practicing. When you're not practicing at all in your spare time, it's probably not something... Well, this know, mine, but, I have a similar experience that sort of highlights how the fear of the process of telling someone you're going to quit puts you off. So I had guitar. I am a diabolical musician. I think that's, that cannot be, cannot be overstated enough. I'm diabolical. Do not understand anything about music. I had four, maybe five years of guitar lessons, four years when we were at the prep. Wow. And, uh, I, to the point rather than telling the teacher that I wanted to quit, 
I would lie in my in the little like book that you'd write down how much practice you've done through the week. I just made it up. I'd say, oh, oh yeah, wow. half an hour then. Do all that. I kept it up for years. But I was I was atrocious. It was clearly obvious to her that I hadn't. I barely knew which end of the guitar was the right end of the guitar. Like you know, playing it like a piano or whatever. But I did that rather than quit for four years, and then. I think I quit by, you know, oh, we're moving off to the main school now. I have to start. I just strung it along. It would have been so, I would have saved my parents a lot of money. So if this poor woman a lot of time, probably some other kid wanted to learn guitar and couldn't because I had the slot. You mean the teacher was just, just taking the, taking the paycheck? Yeah, she, she's no mug. She knows she's onto a good thing. He still cannot make a chord after five years, but yeah. yeah. It's either yeah, a damning indictment on her or it reflects how scared, especially as like a, you're more insecure when you're young, like, oh, what will they think of me and this sort of stuff? I'd have been so much better. If I'd have quit that, I could have, I don't know, done something else more meaningful. Or Right, so I had that. We talked about this on another episode, but I had that with the rugby thing. Where <laughs> yeah. I was doing it essentially because I thought my dad liked it that I was playing a sport and the teacher was particularly pushy about putting me in like a rugby team because I was a big, hefty bloke. And, uh, and I was crap at it. I was probably the worst on the team and didn't enjoy it. Uh, it was very laddie, very outdoorsy, both things that are not really me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I still don't fully understand all the rules for rugby. So it was kind of... Um, a man who attended the Rugby World Cup final, no less. And who attended the Rugby World Cup final. In, a, um, in an audience capacity. <laughs> in an audience capacity. Um, yeah, but actually playing it, like watching it, playing it, I did not. And uh, yeah, I did that for years just because like, I thought it would be hard to go and have a conversation with a teacher that I don't want to do it because he was quite pushy. And so things like that, when I look back, I, that's when I'm really sold on the virtue of just, just quitting like something you're not enjoying. It's like, it's gotta, it's gotta have some, if it's not fun and it's not giving you some skill and you're not even like getting, you know, I think we're not downplaying perseverance, right? It's, it's where um, we're kind of yeah making sure you're focused on the right thing, because there's plenty of examples of things that, you might be hating it, but after six months, you know, the skies will part and the project will be completed or that that difficult thing will be done. It'll open yeah. up all these new opportunities in those instances, suck it up. Right. That's for me, you know, with the marathon or something, I hated it, but I put a lot of value in completing that thing and getting through that was worth it. Jokes aside. Right. But yeah, it's the things where there's no future in it. There's no, enjoyment in it in the moment and you're not building to something that you'll gain value from then kind of reassess and it's kind of moving out of an inappropriate lane and putting yourself back on the right track right yeah yeah exactly i uh i see it as just correcting for a, a slight mm. bias where i think that like i said the quitting is stigmatized but there'll probably be a group who'll listen to this and go oh these two bloody millennials talk about quitting everything that's why they're so bloody lazy and you know, miserable and all that. But um, no, I, I I probably deferred too much on perseverance, probably in my own uh, in my own life. But I guess I'm, I guess I was raised a lot with the virtue of perseverance. It was very like drummed into me. So it it got me to achieve many things where I pushed through discomfort. Uh, you know, if it was in grades or it was in you know creative projects or 
you know, many doing a marathon with you, George. There are many things where I'm pretty good at just gritting my teeth and just like plugging away. It's, uh, yeah, it's so, so those, and that's where like the other side of the coin I did want to bring up in this podcast is that you do want, you want things that are hard, but you want things, you know, persevering with something that's difficult will get you massive results in life. And you kind of want to skate on that line of, you know, something that is not too challenging, that it's impossible or beyond what you're capable of, but not something that's too easy and it's not going to make you grow. And if you kind of skate in the perfect sweet spot there, that's often the projects that will get you the most results and progress, whether it's like in career or hobbies or whatever, if you're kind of on that line of just feels like a bit challenging, uh, to a bit, you know, harder than you can deal with, then you're probably going to do something good. But, um, well, you know what, that, that is a kind of point that brings me to the topic that we always end up talking about on this podcast, which is bloody books, Steve, and something we've talked about a little bit before, but like, it's kind of a good, um, like case study for the wider issue of quitting, but, quitting a book early on like when's a good time to make that call and I kind of pride myself I read a lot and I pride myself in the fact that I almost never uh, you know one every 200 books I'll give up on but I don't think that's because of just kind of blind belligerence or perseverance but it's kind of the planning stage of picking something I know that is right I'm 90% of the time reading a book that I'm either, I either know I will enjoy because of previous experiences with similar content or it's been recommended through sources that I really trust. So, or it's got, you know, a lot of information that even if it's not enjoyable to take on board, it kind of paints a broader picture after I've acquired it. So I, I see a lot of value in planning really well so that you don't have to make that decision of, oh, I should quit this or, or not. And I think that's applicable for plenty of other things. I think if you put the, do a bit more groundwork early on or kind of assess a situation more effectively and ask the right questions early on, you may not need to go through that, that quitting dilemma. Right. So what would you say that for bigger, for big projects as well? Yeah, I think, I think so. Right. Like you wouldn't, you, you didn't take the PhD on lightly and you did it really genuinely thinking that there was a career trajectory for you there. You did the appropriate research, put yourself in the right places and after trying it, found out, no, actually, this isn't for me. You didn't go, yeah, go on, give it a go. Six weeks later, oh, God, I'm out of my depth. It- well, I think that that was a kind of calculated risk, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, finishing that and not having a career from it, it would still have lots of payoffs in being a good credential and stuff. So it kind of had – it's like I could see there was an end result worth persevering with anyway. You know but, I mean? but, okay, better example then is the army thing. You did, You said – I don't know why I did it. You did it because it's sort of compulsory and everyone around you does it. You didn't realize, oh, there's other better compulsory options I could take if you did, you know, 10 minutes of research before you started doing it, or me as well. I'd have been better, you know, you wouldn't have had to have quit or gone through that awkward, you know, thing. Or conversely, the you know, the people teaching it who actually, you know, they do a really good job and it's it really works for the right people. They're, they're kind of wasting our time like wasting their time with us right so it's yeah. sort of i think that, and this is probably where you can make the leap to relationships because i know you you guys with your business there's a lot of um a lot of emphasis placed on you know being with the right person at the right time and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. that's where there's a lot of value that can be taken from this 
Yeah, that, and that's where I think, like you say, like getting in, being in a relationship and realizing it's the wrong one after a few years is not like this. It's not like, oh, I'm, I made a terrible mistake and I'm quitting it because quite frankly, you get into some relationships when you're not yet fully mature and you don't really know everything you want yet. So sometimes it's just a case of you have to be in things to discover they're not right for you. And mm-hmm. that's kind of part of the progress. Uh, I think, yeah, like you say, it's it's if going in, you're ignoring yeah. uh, things you know about yourself or things you know about your doubts as to whether this makes sense for you to do. And those those are the things where you often charge ahead and then you're in it and then you get stuck in it because you start not wanting to reverse course. And yeah, though that's where the quicker you can just reverse course, I think the happier you are. And sometimes I've done things for like nowadays, I could choose to do something, do two sessions of it. Like if I said, I'm going to go do a comedy course, you could do like two sessions of it and be like, you know what? I don't really enjoy what this is. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not what I thought of me. And it's a lot easier than just saying, I've got to complete now because if I complete the thing, it will mean something. And some people just have that completionist mindset, right? Like I have to finish something I start. And I, I think that's... Um, that that sometimes if you make the calculation to the time you're sacrificing, it's probably not worth it just finishing anything because you started it and because it's hard. I don't think mm-hmm. that has intrinsic value. I think I think finishing things does help your confidence, but it's you you want to manage carefully. Well, you want there, to there finish the right things, things, don't you? There are many things to choose and finish in life. Yeah, and yeah. and definitely if you quit everything, it probably will rock your confidence in a way that you need to prove to yourself you can push through pain points and actually get things done. And there, you know, finishing a book to me with my brother was a massive boost of confidence of just proving that something was possible that seemed impossible at first. And uh, yeah, so, so finishing things is great, but I think, I think some people carry on paths for a long time and realize that like what were you trying to get out of finishing that goal or, carrying on with that project um yeah it's the it's the aimless the purposeless zero not zero but just sort of like average enjoyment trajectories right it's like well you could you could spend your time more wisely um or get something more meaningful out of it if it's a task with a goal and a purpose then persevere but if not then yeah reassess i think i think it's a it's a really good point you can be bad at something and still it's worth persevering with if like we talked about that episode about sucking at something right you can suck at something but get a lot out I'm, of it. I'm bad at running but i finished the marathon i feel great about i feel good about it because i'm bad at running right I, if i could run a two-hour marathon uh, obviously that'd be great but it's it's not the same challenge is it it's it was rewarding for me because it's something i'm not good at and i stuck at it and i achieved something that is considered difficult Further to my point, right, there were some people who asked me after the marathon, are you going to do another? And if I said no or I don't know, the truth is I don't know, but, so, you know, I'd be like, nah. They would almost be like, oh, so you're quitting. You'd be like, what? I did. What do you think? Now I indefinitely, this is my life now. Like yeah. I run marathons because I did one. They, they think, like, oh, it's a shame. You're not. That's like- a funny one because it's it's quite a clear and defined kind of a bucket list goal, right? It's like do a marathon. It's done. You don't, you know, oh, you did a skydive. How many more are you going to do? It's like that one is a very um, target oriented. Once you ticked it off, it's 
unless unless you have a knack for it or it's got some intrinsic benefit to your health yeah there's no need to keep doing it um do you think george it's um anti-social or sociopathic to micro quit at a very small level for example getting in a venue or a party and deciding after 20 minutes no this ain't for me and just leaving do you think that's is it worth it sticking that out or do you think you should just go on your whim and be like i'm out i've mixed i have a mixed response to that i think when i was younger when i was a lot younger i would have quit a lot of the i wouldn't have even gone right and then so go then i kind of changed my attitude to just sort of being there to the bitter end and plenty of good things come about from doing that you meet people you wouldn't have met before and things but if you've got other irons in the fire or other things to do then yeah i think it's a complete waste of time if you're you know if you're trying to reset or start again or meet new people then i would say stick it out a bit longer than that maybe give it an hour (laughs) but um yeah. Also, I suppose it's like reading the room, isn't it? If you know, like, no one hears into what you're into, or there might be one other person there who's got exactly the same mindset as you, and if you're lucky to meet them, you know that might take a little bit more time. I'm kind of I'm caught in between. I think it depends what stage you're at. If you're a, uh, if you're yeah, if you're looking to make changes and benefit yourself, then I would give it more time. If you're kind of set in who you are and it's a bit of an obligation, go and do the thing you want to do instead. Yeah, I think. Um... I sometimes find oh, it's funny we're talking about this quitting but I'm probably someone who actually gives things quite a few tries before wholly deciding to let it go and and I guess you know I sometimes I love socializing sometimes I don't but a lot of things I'm willing to be like uh, I'll I'll do it for a bit because I know I might enjoy it like I might enjoy it after half an hour so actually I'll persevere a bit longer um i like i said i definitely bias on the side of persevering because i i feel like otherwise i'll just end up saying no to everything and yeah too much um, well i think a big lesson through all this stuff we're talking about is the best value is in well there's always some value in the fact that you're trying something in the first place right that's the important thing i think if you just don't try anything then you're never going to find out if it's good or or worth quitting right but you've got to try it and that's how you kind of progress and build yourself is try things find the things that are right quit the things that aren't and keep progressing in that direction uh wise words (laughs) (laughs) um what about what about quitting friendships george well i don't think you're quitting it's it's sort of an on it answers itself doesn't it like you're not you're not quitting your best friends just oh it's just too much effort to talk to my best mates i'm just going to give up you you kind of yeah i'm sorry to tell you old buddy <laughs> this is it this is this is you you've been putting off quitting this friendship for so long you've construed a podcast i have sunk a lot of costs into this friendship god yeah no i i, I know what you're raising there like you know keeping up a relationship that's sort of flagging like I imagine is what you're getting at. You're not quitting your best friends, are you? <laughs> no, no, I just meant, yeah, if you, uh, yeah, it's probably an overextension of the term quitting, but yeah, almost giving up on certain relationships and friendships. Um, I think, probably, I think there is value in sort of stripping, stripping that down. Um, yeah, there's probably social uh, obligations that people carry for too long when they've run their course or yeah. they've, both parties sort of accept we're not the same person we were 10 years ago yeah we don't have in common um yeah but um 
you know, I'm a reducer, George. Like I said, I'm I'm not I'm not a person who's dogmatic. And Calories, waist size, it's all shrinking down. I, I'm all about simplifying, but I'm not a person who I do know a lot of people who are like, I don't drink anymore, or I never do um you know, whatever. I exercise every day without fail, or just people who like they like the certainty of extremes, whereas I'm a little bit more of a like if I if there's something I really don't enjoy, it's like I'll do that once every few months or six months, and you know, yeah, I don't know. It's like like say alcohol, right? I I don't drink much alcohol. Um, probably drinking a lot less now, but it's like I I wouldn't I wouldn't ever be as dogmatic as to be like I'm just going to cut alcohol from my life. I don't know. Something about that doesn't gel with my disposition. It's like too too much for me to completely. Uh, reject something in that way yeah yeah well you well you famously george you quit being sober at about 23 george 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 hadn't touched a drop of alcohol until his early 20s yeah so i think it was 24 but that wasn't well yeah that was for for sort of uh i i had uh i suffered with a lot of migraines which meant i couldn't really drink based on the medication i was taking and stuff and i kind of grew out of that so it was more not so much i quit being sober as i was given the opportunity to do something that i couldn't have done before maybe um drink um yeah i, I don't know is that <laughs> no i don't yeah you introduced a new thing you didn't quit. Yeah. but it, you, you were very you were very fixed on like you didn't drink and didn't intend to that yeah i think of- that was conditioned by the environment i was in as well say where i went to university as an undergraduate there was a big like drinking culture and that kind of got my back up more so i became more dogmatic about it um just because yeah it's sort of the idea of other people enforcing something on you that you don't want to do sort of made me more anti it and i probably sort of suffered <laughs> suffered for my art a bit more just to kind of make a point i think but yeah. um when that kind of dropped away then yeah that changed changed my outlook i suppose but is there yeah. anything you have dogmatically quit before that you used to do if you think of it uh, Sorry, something I I would have done dogmatically that I've since quit. Is there either a habit or an activity you have wholesale quit that you are like, I don't do, I used to do that and I do not do it or never intend to do it? I don't think I can remember with an app, not actively, like I used to play lots of video games. I don't play video games now, but that wasn't um, a conscious, oh, tomorrow I'm going to stop that. It just kind of petered out with the way my life has changed, I suppose. I don't know. yeah, I can't. I can't think of any major ones. I've the big kind of quitting moment I can think of that I suppose you will remember is we moved into our flat together where we moved in because I'd taken a job in London that needed me to be in that area, and I it was a job I did not enjoy and did for maybe about two months, six weeks or two months, and quit um and ho- wholly for the best uh and I'll just flag up the person who had the job before me quit after one day so you can't can't get me on perseverance but um yeah it, that that thing you say about the weight being lifted it was just from being terrified of quitting and how am i going to do this person's hired me it's you know it's quite it's quite difficult to get someone for that role blah 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 people are depending on me to so the next day feeling oh thank god 
and just feeling, you know, five stone lighter and suddenly opening up all these suddenly different opportunities. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a very freeing sense that comes with making that big decision for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it can be, it can be a very triumphant experience, uh, getting rid of something or letting go of something you've just been automatically doing. Uh, so what are you going to quit today, listeners? <laughs> I want to hear from you. Um, we should get an email address for the podcast, George. Probably should, shouldn't we? Something for spam. Well, that makes some sense. Okay, next time we come back, we'll come back with an email address where you can get it all off your chest. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, well, we didn't do this at the top of the show. We said we would, but if you do enjoy these episodes and the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a little rating. If you're feeling really generous, write us no, a little. No review. less than three stars, though. Please, uh, Yeah, I mean, don't it's be silly. Sarcastic, isn't it? Less than three. No, be, be honest about how much you like the show. Um, uh, yeah, and that will be lovely. Um, George, should we do some uh, movies? No less than three, but no more than five, yeah? Yeah, no more than five. That'd be, That'd be silly. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> should we do some uh, books and movies? Well, I've, I've under the under the umbrella of quitting, I've kind of I've written down what I would say is quite an obvious pick for a book that I haven't quit, but I've not I've not continued, and I'm finding trying to find excuses to continue. Um, it's Proust, Steve. It's the work of Proust. Um, of what you know it's kind of that that big totemic book that people sort of take on and then give up i've read it's what seven volumes six volumes i've read the first two and a half and um i was halfway through that third volume while i was in paris about four years ago came home and thought oh that's that's enough for now and i've been back to france a couple of times since but i've used it as an opportunity to read other french novels um and I, I really, I'm sort of struggling to get myself back on that train, but hopefully some some occasion will bring me back on it because I know it's meaningful, I know it's worthwhile, and I know it will contribute to my sort of, you know, uh, contextual knowledge of literature. So I see value in it. And uh, even if it can be challenging, I think it will be worthwhile to persevere with. To persevere with Proust specifically or with French literature? Uh, with, with specific, I'm specifically talking about Proust, yeah. Oh. So I thought your recommendation there was to take up reading Proust and then quit Proust and have the joy of quitting. Oh, Proust. that's my recommendation. No, no, <laughs> I would I would recommend that people follow through with it and um, beat beat me to the finish, if anything. Uh, yeah, that actually that's true. You know, there's a joy in quitting books, but some of those big ones persevered with. I'm very satisfied. Like persevered with Ulysses, very satisfied to have read that and got it under my belt. So, um, yeah. Um, some books are worth sticking it out. Um, I will go for a. Uh, I go for a film it has one of the great quitting moments, George, and that's Jerry Maguire. Uh, Wonderful. You know, he uh, writes his big indulgent letter at the start that sort of embarrasses him at the company, and then he takes Rene Zellweger and gets the heck out of the office and starts his own, starts his own agency. But um, that's, that's kind of a film about quitting and starting again, uh, starting I from mean, the bottom. He doesn't change much, does he? No, but he goes back to starting from the bottom and uh, yeah. he uh, is that cute little kid, isn't there? And yeah. 
he finally he finds the meaning of family. He does. Um, you got any uh, films about quitting? No. Okay, I'll do one more. <laughs> um, great film about quitting, George. I think we brought this up. Ghostbusters. Okay. Three, three guys quit their jobs as academics. They quit slash get fired. So let's yeah. sort of mix between two. And they go, hey, our purpose wasn't to be academics. A bit like this guy. Oh. It's to start our own business busting ghosts. And it's one of the great sort of uh, rebuild entrepreneurial stories of our time. <laughs> entrepreneurial story, I like it. <laughs> Three nerdy academics become famous entrepreneurs in New York City with yeah. a highly innovative startup. This um, sounds like a Michael Lewis book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there you go. Um, Great. Well, we, we've let you down on the old recommendations this time, I would say, but um, there'll be more to come. Don't think you can let let yourself down if you're watching Ghostbusters and Jerry Maguire tonight. While flicking through Priest. <laughs> we cover all tastes. Um, anything else you want to say about quitting, George? No, that's, I think that's me done, Steve. Um, do we need to have a chat about, a meta chat about quitting the podcast or are we going to pursue it at the start didn't we i mean we did a little I bit wanted, i just want a hard decision i think we're sticking with it for the foreseeable okay you heard it here folks um okay. well you'll find out in a year see, see what the stars ratings are on these reviews steve when a few of those finally start trickling in they can vote with their feet can't they one of us can read the reviews one of us can decide never to read them <laughs> yeah one of us can break it to the other one of us can just keep lying to the other about the review. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Thanks very much for joining everyone. Uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, hit that little subscribe button, that follow button, and you'll get us in your ears every time a new episode drops. Um, thank you so much. Thanks guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.